Hi folks, welcome to stage 15 of the Tour de France. That's uh, one five, not, not 50, not five zero. God, can you imagine? I'm gonna give today's stage an eight out of 10. This wouldn't be a bad one to watch from start to finish. There's groups upon groups, a little ticker at the top telling you like, oh, the yellow jersey group is this far back from the breakaway, is this far back from the, they needed two rows at some point. It was such a mess. But the finale, a little bit anticlimactic. That's why we're not going above an eight. If you wanna watch the last 15K, you'll, you'll get the idea. Quick note from yesterday and this whole thing in general, um, obviously like I'm writing notes as I do it and I'm filming it myself and editing myself and there's been a couple like, oops, I left my first take in there uh, and I go back later and clip it. So apologies and appreciate the patience and understanding uh, for folks who understand that, you know, one man show uh, and we're doing our best here. The comments have been really nice. Kind of what I know from yesterday, I mentioned that Palace was in danger of losing the KOM jersey when he actually already had lost the KOM jersey. To be fair to me, I also mentioned that it takes a PhD in math to figure out what the heck is going on in that. So it was actually Vingago who had the polka dots but, uh, but he doesn't you know, be too hot to wear multiple jerseys. So they give that to the guy who's second in the competition, even though ultimately in the podium in Paris, uh, Nielsen would not be on there. More on the KOM stuff later. Okay, today's stage was 179Ks. That's a long one uh, with a ton of climbing and a mountaintop finish. Unfortunately, I got to start with the mishap of the day. The NBC Peacock fee, whatever, came back from a commercial break. You know, you, you leave and they're riding their bike and everything looks fine. There's breakaways going and you come back and there's dudes standing there and there's bikes on the ground. It's like, what the hell happened? Uh, they're going through a town and, and someone was, looked like they're reaching out and got caught on a handlebar and just pulled down. It looked like, I think it was Sep who went down first, but then a bunch of guys went down after. Some guys went down pretty hard. There was one of these last year. This one wasn't quite as bad, but still uh, horrible to see it. Guess this will bring me to my armchair race organizer segment, which is what can you do? What should you do about the spectators? How do you keep them from doing this? It's, it's you know, there's dogs running in the course sometimes. The OP Omi person from last year had to go into hiding for sure getting death threats. So other than like shaming one person a year, what's the actual solution? What can you do? You know, they have in France, they have public service announcements of please stay out. They've got police at a lot of the intersections. Um, all I can think is, you know, if they just have a, you know, 10,000 euro fine, if your foot crosses this threshold and there's just a cop once in a while just handing that out, that news will get out pretty quick. But what's hard to explain if you're just watching this on TV is these folks have been standing there all day. They're just waiting for this race to come by. They come out uh, hours ago before the roads close and the excitement as the, the cars come by and it builds up and then suddenly the guy in front of you is leaning forward. So you got to lean forward more just to see what's going on. And if you look at how many people are on these courses every day, it's hard to understand how there aren't more of these pileups. And I have to admit, like part of the beauty of the Tour de France is that moment on the final climb when there's just a crowd of spectators and the, the lead riders coming through and the, the groups just parts for them. It's it's colorful, it's beautiful. It's like kind of what we love to see. But they kept zooming in on the overhead view of it was a man with a white hat. It kind of sounded like it was Curious George with the man with the red hat. But there's for sure going to be like a massive internet hunt to find this person. Uh, and this guy has to go into hiding now. I don't know. It's all a bummer. Okay, our math today was that uh, the crash was good news for the breakaway. It was actually kind of a split. There was two guys, Philippe and Luchenko way up the road. And there was like a small split of 20 or so that went through the town uh, before the crash. That gap after the crash, the Peloton didn't exactly neutralize, but they all sort of let themselves get settled. That went up to eight minutes. And that accidental breakaway turned into the actual break of the day. The big danger guy in that split, uh, of course, Wout Van Aert, who seems to be everywhere. He was driving the pace on the climbs. Really, it was attrition from that group of 20, uh, just guys kind of coming off one by one on the final climb. I think he just thought he was gonna pop everyone one by one and come in solo, which I wouldn't have ruled out either. But then it was Wout Powell's who was just sort of sitting on, uh, launched once, got a gap, and kept going all the way to the finish for a nice stage win. That brings me to armchair team director. I just wouldn't have let Wout up the road. It's just the GC lead is 
quite slim at the moment. Uh, I want my literal best domestique with me the whole time with the race leader. You never know, like, you know, somebody gets a flat, he's the guy to get you back in. Wow can undo a lot of problems. And to think that, like, you know, an accidental crash, a breakaway that was never really going to be a breakaway, that at that point they're like, okay, well, you have a couple minutes. Let's just throw our entire plan in the air and you can go for a stage win. That's just weird to me. Also, it is a mountaintop finish. Not saying that Wout's not a great climber, but if I was going to pick him for a stage win, that's not exactly the one I'd put a pin in if I was Wout. And the reality is that's not a team that gives a shit about second place. Also in the break was Ciccone from Trek, who was sort of hiding the first week and then has been collecting KOM points, is now tied with Palace for the KOM lead. The finish itself, kind of a bummer for Powell's, who was just solo and building time. Uh, they only showed the last, like, 20 meters of his stage win because fireworks were happening down the climb, or at least almost happening. Yumbo had been pulling all day, same tactic as yesterday. Let's just keep the pace high, keep it hard, uh, hopefully wear out Pogacar. We still don't know if that's working. And we get to the final climb, and Emirates goes to the front, so they're confident in their guy, too. Once again, Yates for UAE was kind of the best domestique on the climb. Sepp, uh, you know, had a bandage on himself. He was for sure bandaged up. Not the best day for him to be on the front. But the last couple K, and that's why I'm only giving him the stage an eight, uh, was infuriating with Pogacar, Vingago, Yates. It, it really looked to me like Pogacar was on the ropes, and Jonas could have launched at any time, and Jonas wanted to. He kept looking over his shoulder. He was looking backwards more than forwards uh, to see when Pogacar would attack. If you're saying, you know, if you're looking back, you're saying, I've got the legs to follow that snap and I don't want to miss it. That means you've got a snap. It was like, I was just yelling go at the TV or Jonas had a big poker face and he wasn't quite feeling as good as it seemed. But it looked like this was a chance for Jonas to, you know, pick up five or 10 seconds, but a big moral victory going into the rest day. Instead, he waited for Pogacar to launch and had him marked perfectly. He did have the legs. Pogacar never got a gap. Jonas was glued to him, started to go around him at the line and decided not to bother. Strange, I, I kind of had blue balls just from watching Jonas. Just like, why aren't you attacking? Why aren't you attacking? Why aren't you attacking? Like, I felt like he could have. On the other hand, if you win the tour by one second versus two minutes, the win's the win. I think Jonas must be pretty confident in his time trial performance coming up to pass up even a chance to grab a few seconds. So a long stage, some nail biting, some screaming at the TV. That's what you want from the Tour de France. That was fun. But ultimately, really no change in anything important. If I was watching in person today, where would I want to be? Obviously, I'd be right next to the guy with the white hat, and I'd be like, sir, can you please just step back just a little bit? Just give the guys, you know, please. We looked very Cat 5 for a second. What are they not saying on TV? Uh, this is hard to say. The race looked clean. To see the leaders, like, kind of afraid to attack each other, not attacking, like, go watch, well, don't watch one of the big races from, you know, the Lance era, and they're just pop, 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 just 100 attacks on every climb, and they're, they don't need to recover. Uh, we're not seeing that really this year at all. It's one or two attacks, and then dudes are actually showing fatigue. They're showing that they're gassed. Um, I, I like to see that. It's Maybe it's, well, for sure, it's less exciting racing, but if you know what you're looking at, it's a lot better. The other thing I've noticed is since they banned the, the puppy boss, so a couple years ago, the move, if you're in the breakaway, you put your hands uh, in the middle of your handlebars, so you're kind of like a time trial position. It's actually a lot more aerodynamic that way. They made that illegal. They want you to hold on to your handlebars, which sort of makes sense from safety perspective. Uh, but what guys are doing now is they're knocking their shifters in. They're angling their shifters inside so they can sort of do a similar position while still holding their bicycle. It's a good loophole. It's also very generational. I, I'm going to say the threshold is like the age of 24 and you're under that. But all the guys over 30 have their, their wide bars out. They're more comfortable. They're drafting. And they're just giving away a few watts out of some uh, principle of aesthetics or morality or uh, inertia. Of course, they also ban around the same time sitting on your top tube on descents, which is also aerodynamic. I've not seen any dropper posts this year. Uh, let me know if there's any dropper posts popping out. I've not, not noticed that. You'd think someone would do it. Tomorrow, rest day for the riders, rest day for me. I will talk to you Tuesday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. Uh, see you guys later.